On this edition of the Iowa Business Report. We need to create the playing field. We need to have simple rules, simple boundaries, where everybody understands what the rules of the game are. As the Iowa legislature prepares to gavel into session, there is no shortage of items on the to-do list. We'll talk with leaders of two groups about what they would suggest. The words you use could be sending an unintended message to a recipient. And in our business profile, we'll introduce you to a success coach and tell you what she does to lead clients to their goals. This is the Iowa Business Report for the second weekend of January 2023. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. The Iowa Business Council plays an important role in encouraging a competitive environment so Iowa businesses and their employees can flourish. Their office is in downtown Des Moines, a few blocks from the state capitol, which will come alive again when the new Iowa General Assembly convenes this coming week. Joe Murphy is executive director of the Iowa Business Council, made up of 20 business members which employ more than 190,000 Iowans. The fact that um, Iowa is well positioned from a competitive standpoint is important, but uh, I think all of our members and, and elected officials would agree that there's still work to be done. And that's why we've released a strong legislative advocacy agenda that includes things like workforce development initiatives, competitive tax climate, tort reform, and, and mental health from a workforce perspective as well is, is really important to our members and I think all of Iowans. The tax reform that was passed in the last session that will start taking effect. It, it rolls out in tiers. It was not all at one time to get us to a flat individual income tax rate. But it's an improvement. That's all fine, but it is much more than just dollars and cents. And this is something that I think has even evolved in your time working with entities like this because we care a lot more about those, I'll call them ancillary issues. They're primary these days, but we used to call them ancillary issues childcare, quality of life, housing, etc., those really have become much more prominent as you try to build these companies, correct? Absolutely. We think of those things, if you call manslaughter, we sort of talk about them as sort of the non-traditional business issues out there, right? Things like childcare, affordable housing, mental health. These are hugely important to Iowans and to Iowa companies. If there are not affordable homes in a Pella, in a Lamar's, in a Muscatine, then our members aren't able to attract a workforce. If we don't have childcare facilities, high quality childcare facilities at an affordable cost around our states, we're gonna be in a very difficult position to attract and retain a qualified workforce to help our firms produce products and help Iowa's economy. On the mental health side, this is something that's new for our organization. We have not been engaged as a primary advocate on on mental health initiatives in the past, but coming out of the pandemic, realizing that our state has taken a lot of good steps over the last couple of years, but knowing that there's much more to be done. We see this every day on the manufacturing line and the corporate offices all across our retail stores. Mental health is an important aspect of state's overall well-being and and overall health. And so I think for us to elevate that, I think is wholly appropriate and something that we're looking forward to engaging in this legislative session. How much of this conversation is something you can have with the legislature. In other words, what is the role of the state 
as it has to do with helping my business, helping economic development generally, because capitalism is capitalism. But I'm guessing you have to have a certain foundation, and that's where the state comes in. Yeah, I think when you think about things like competitive tax policy, we need to create the playing field, right? And we need to have simple rules, simple boundaries, where everybody understands what the rules of the game are and what does the field even look like. And so I think the fact that we've taken some great strides over the last 12 months, over the last legislative session in particular, on simplifying the playing field, figuring out what the rules of the game should be, being transparent about that, being prudent about what some of the safety mechanisms should be, you know, with very specific revenue thresholds that must be met before corporate tax relief can occur, I think is all very important. I think that's the role of the state to provide clarity, provide the rules of the game, and then let businesses compete. And good things usually happen as a result of that. Have you gotten a sense of what's doable? I mean, the governor has not given her condition of the state. The legislature has not come into session. So it's premature on a lot of fronts. But do you get a sense that there are some areas where you might be able to check off at least in part a few of these boxes before this session adjourns in May? I think so. You know, I'm an eternal optimist at heart, you know, with some of these legislative priorities that we have. And I think the fact that we're all talking about the same thing in in one way or another across the political spectrum, across the nonprofit sector, business sector, you name it, workforce initiatives, mental health, affordable housing, being competitive from a business standpoint, from a tax perspective, all of these things continue to be talked about across all aspects of public policy making. And I think that is very helpful as we're entering the session we might have different ways or approaches to achieve some of these items. And that will be the debate. You know, when the governor lays out her priorities next Tuesday at six o'clock, I think that's really sort of the starting point, right? And I think it's also important to remind people that this is a brand new General Assembly. So we have about 30% of the 150 elected senators and state representatives coming into Des Moines next week who have never set foot in that Capitol building as a lawmaker. So that presents a great opportunity to learn from them what their issues are in their district, but also to explain the issues of business in our state, what our employees are looking for, and bring them along. These are nonpartisan issues. We're a nonpartisan organization. Our sole focus is to act as an economic catalyst for the state of Iowa, and we'll lean into that mission heavily this year. Joe Murphy of the Iowa Business Council and I connected via Zoom on January 4th. Regional business and economic development entities also play active roles in encouraging public policy. For the past several years, the Cedar Rapids Metro Economic Alliance and the Iowa City Area Business Partnership have compiled a joint list of positions and recommendations on key policy issues affecting economic growth in the region and the state. I met recently with Barbara Solberg, public policy strategist with the Economic Alliance, about some of the broad areas of interest for 2023. Four years ago, you didn't hear the legislature talk about child care. And it was the business community across the state and our partners with the Iowa Business Council, with Professional Developers of Iowa, the Iowa Chamber Alliance, and all of our members across the state that are all business members talking about accessibility, affordability of quality child care. And now you have people from every party, every persuasion from across the political spectrum, understanding that child care is affecting everybody in every facet. 
Do we have some things to point to that are successes in childcare? Yeah, um, but I really feel the the biggest success is that people identify it as a as an issue that needs to be dealt with. And I think with the governor's task force and the focus from top helps move that along too. So I feel like we will see more of childcare challenges addressed in the next session. Not only do we not have enough people to fill the jobs, but even if we get them here, we don't have enough houses. We don't have enough options for houses. We don't have enough child care workers. We don't have, you know, a whole host of community amenities that, that we need in order to attract th- those new workers. Manufacturing 4.0, which is one of the um, items that we have advocated for. We would like to see more funding and expansion of that program as a way to address workforce shortages and help our small and medium-sized manufacturers be ready for the, the next wave of technology and help them answer workforce challenges they have. It doesn't mean that these innovative solutions will replace workers. In fact, it It will, in some ways, keep workers in their jobs because they're learning new skills and how to adapt to an economy that's asking for more when there's less of them to produce. Barbara Solberg, Public Policy Specialist with the Cedar Rapids Metro Economic Alliance. To view the Joint Policy Recommendations list, go to cedarrapids.org. Still to come, did you mean to say that? And later, a business focused on helping you succeed. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. This is Michael Swanger, owner and publisher of Iowa History Journal. Pick up our January-February issue as we celebrate our 15th year of publication with in-depth stories about George Washington Carver's education at Iowa State, a tribute to Hawkeye basketball star Chris Street, Mason City's music woman Dixie Wilson, and the Spirit Lake Massacre. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Hy-Vee, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, and iowahistoryjournal.com. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, educating, guiding, advising, and coaching Iowa businesses. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at advanceiowa.com. One outgrowth of the COVID pandemic is the concept of remote or hybrid work, and that means relying on the written word through emails, texts, and memos much more than in the past, when face-to-face contact was more common. But with the written word, nonverbal cues such as facial expressions and inflection are missing, and that can lead to misinterpretation. Analysts have suggested that there are 10 words or phrases that may seem all right on the surface, but may actually be a show of passive aggressiveness by the sender, or may be interpreted incorrectly more often by recipients. Let's see how many of these are triggers for you. Please advise. Noted. Sending a friendly reminder. Saying, will do, or thanks in advance. Others include, per our last conversation, or per my last email, circling back, and as promised, or as discussed. 
Now, more than a few of those may set you off, but how many of them do you yourself use? And perhaps a goal in 2023 should be to reread our messages before sending to avoid sending an inaccurate signal. Coming up, a unique playbook for broader success. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. The bravery of the American military has been well documented, often due to the unique reporting done by Iowa-based broadcasters on the scene. From the battlefront to the home front, Iowa Broadcasters Go to War features vintage broadcasts and interviews with the journalists who cover 20th century wars. Jack Shelley, Herb Plambeck, Dean Borg, Ron Steele, and more. It's our featured DVD this week at TotallyIowa.com. Get your copy of From the Battlefront to the Home Front today at TotallyIowa.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey just released by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In our business profile, we'll introduce you to Kayla Becker, who is known as the Success Coach. She recently adopted that moniker as she expands what had been a side business into full-time work. We've heard of business coaches and trainers, so I asked her to differentiate her work as a success coach from some of those other concepts. I work with individuals who are looking to improve their life. They're looking to create more success in some manner. That could be with their career. That could be in their relationships. That could be with life-changing decisions that they need to make. And whatever that success looks like for them, I help them capitalize on what they're looking to create and move forward towards what they want in their life. So it's all about helping individuals find the success that they're looking for and reaching that point. So in order for an individual to be truly successful, they need to be successful inside themselves. So they need to know who they are, what they want to achieve, and be making progress on that. Because your personal life affects your professional life, and your professional life affects your personal life. Even though a lot of times in life we want to keep them separate, and we perceive them as being separate. Because I do my home stuff at home, and I do my work stuff at work, right? They all blend together. When you go to work someday, if you're upset about something that happened at home, the same thing is going to affect you at work as well. So that's why it's important for an individual to focus on themselves, because that will help them find the success that they're really looking for. And I suppose it has gotten even worse with all of this work from home stuff or the hybrid, because to your earlier point, you had work, you had home, you might try to separate them, but there's always some sort of an intermingling. But when your work is at home and you never leave your home to go to work, I suppose that's really changed a lot of people's dynamics and their own mindsets. I would agree with that. And I would also say that with so much technology today, people are checking their work email when they're at home or they're checking their phone and their messages from colleagues. The work hour never really stops at that point in time unless if an individual is able to set up clear boundaries for themselves that fit their lifestyle and their needs so that they can be successful in whatever area of their life that they're looking to create that success. This is something that I don't think when you go to college there's a major in being a success coach. So you had a certain journey that took you to this point. How is it that you got to where you are now to where you're able to offer this help and discussion with others? 
my journey started as a school teacher. I was a middle school, high school language arts teacher, and I did that for the last 13 years. And my background was all in curriculum. So I've used that knowledge to create a process, to create a program for individuals to follow in order to help them find more success, following a lot of the steps that I followed in my own life. So I created a proprietary idea. It's called the Success Circle. I take all my clients through these five key steps in order to help them find the success that they want in their professional life or in their personal life. We start by really identifying what's their vision. Where do they want to go in the future? What's a foundation that's going to help you build the success that you want? What's the current problems that you're experiencing that's preventing you from getting to where you want to be? What are the solutions? And then how can we take action to help you create that success moving forward? So in doing your past work in more traditional education curriculum development, how did you make the transition or the leap to, in essence, designing this? Is it a matter, in essence, of looking at something in a more traditional sense and thinking, well, that's a concept that could work more broadly, generally? I'm just interested in how you make the transition from this is a good idea to now I have a business. There was multiple factors involved with it. Part of it is I've always loved creating curriculum, and I've always loved taking various ideas that I learned from my own courses, my own experiences, and and putting it together in a format that would help somebody get from point A to point B a lot faster than I did. In doing that, I created a system that provided the steps for someone to achieve. Now, I came from the educational background, and I had a lot of experience of putting curriculum together. And then I also had a lot of experience talking with a lot of different students on a daily basis and talking with their parents and interacting with individuals and helping them, helping myself or I saw that they were at point A, whether it be a student or an adult, and they didn't know how to get to point B. But by me asking questions, by me offering them something different, they could change their perspective and have a small shift. When I was able to take that same principles and those same ideas and apply it to adults, career changes, death of loved ones, if they wanted to change a relationship, whatever it may be, it provided an opportunity for them to do that. And yet there's still a point where you have to say to yourself, I'm going to take this leap. I'm going to make this my career. I'm going to leave security behind. That is a tough step to take. It was. And it really came down to two factors. One was I was a student at Wartburg and one of my professors was Dr. Feeney. And in my last education course with him, he made us promise. He said, if you do not love teaching the students as much as you do right now, you have to promise me that you will leave because they deserve the best. And I always remembered making that promise to him. And after starting to build my business and doing it part time, I looked at my schedule one day and I realized, man, I'm really more looking forward to working with my clients at night than to going to school the next morning. And when I made that realization, I knew that I had a promise to keep, number one. And I also knew that it was going to be in the best interest of everyone. As much as I loved teaching my students, my passion had drifted elsewhere. While I was still educating people, I was educating them on something different and something I was more passionate about. So that's what really caused me to make the shift. And it's a matter of once you realize, to use your words, where your passion was. Yes. It's very hard to not keep moving forward with that. Correct. Once you make one step forward, you know, it's 
a domino effect, I really believe. And that goes back to individuals creating success. It's a series of small steps that you're taking over a period of time that's allowing you to get to where you want to be. And it's those small daily actions that are helping you build up the confidence, that are helping you build up the conviction, that are helping you build really the identity of moving closer towards what you want, whatever that may be. You're not really suggesting giving anyone advice. You're listening and asking them questions that then allows the answer to appear for them. Correct. And there's something called myutic teaching, and that's pulling the information from the individual. So that's really what my goal is through the coaching, through the mentorship, is listening, being an active listener of what they're saying, and then asking them questions to help them arrive to the best conclusions for themselves. If my insight is wanted, I can give my perspective. I can offer, this is what I hear you saying, and that this is also what I also hear you saying. I'm able to do that. And it really comes down to listening to the individual and helping them make the best decision for themselves. A lot of people need to talk things out. They need to work through what's in their head. And because a lot of times people keep those thoughts in their head and the wheels keep spinning and spinning and spinning and they struggle to make a decision because of that so having somebody to bounce ideas off of can be very beneficial kayla becker is the success coach based in the cedar valley you can learn more about her work or make a contact by going online to ourstoriesinmotion.com we met in waterloo on january 4th and that brings us to the close of this week's program we're back again next week at this same time In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. That's where you'll find podcasts of full interviews with many of the folks you hear on this program, including today's business profile with success coach Kayla Becker. They're found as IBR extras and IBR business profiles. And we're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, providing business solutions and support to small to medium-sized businesses. Let's work together. More at AdvanceIowa.com and search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.